Okay, I'm going to um, I'm going to just ask us all to introduce ourselves, let you know a bit about us. Um, we've got um, a great panel here. Um, I'm sure you recognise most of them from throughout the week. Um, been leading on stage, gigging in here, doing seminars, um, and then we will open up to. Um, to questions from you guys, so, so have a think about anything you'd like to ask and be thinking as you, as you find out what we're about. I will introduce myself first, so everyone has time <laughs> to think. Um, my name's David May. Um, I am from Bath in Somerset. Um, I am currently doing a PhD in music and composition, um, which basically means I write really weird stuff like bagging on tables um, and reading from books and odd stuff like that. Um, I think about music more in the sense of what things sound like rather than what notes people are actually playing, which is, is actually really really fun um, and then I also um, I write songs I lead worship I run this venue um, with Ed and and have done for the last however many years it's existed probably about 10 now um, and and yeah that's me Phil thank you hi my name is Philippa but everyone calls me Phil I'm an Essex girl born and bred very proud um, but 12 years ago God called us up to Birmingham um, to plant a church into Sutton Coalfield um, which is a real life church which we're now part of and absolutely love for some of our crew at the back there um, uh, I don't write weird music with banging on tables and things like that um, but I have been involved in worship since I was 14, 15, um, and I'm not going to tell you how long that is, but it's, it's been a long while. <laughs> I love Jesus and I love to worship. That's me. I just feel vastly underqualified now. Um, yeah, You're I'm not. Well, uh, yeah, I, uh, so I'm from Bath as well. I uh, grew up near London, but moved out there a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm a worship leader. Uh, I'm a songwriter. I'm also a general creative. Uh, so I do a lot of, I do writing. I do graphic design. I do videography, photography. Um, yeah, um, is that, is that, have I just not, yeah, nailed it, look at me, yeah. yeah. That's usually, oh, stop it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Anna, and I'm going to do Simon, and Simon's going to do me, because I don't know what to say. <laughs> this is Simon, Simon is my husband, he's actually like an actual legend, he's like my favourite human, and he has been a worship pastor for a very, very long time, over 14 years, but he started leading worship when he was about eight in his kids' work, so it's never too soon to start. Um, and he's been a worship leader at um, places like this, at New Day. Oh, no, I'm carrying on. Um, and he's been doing that also full-time in a church setting, leading a worship team for many years, and then recently, in the last year, he's just come off staff and is now doing a start-up with me, we're building a business together, and also working two days a week in an app company, which is a lot of fun. So he's got a bit of a varied life these days. Hi, I'm Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I process my emotion through writing songs. <laughs> Some of them end up being published or sung in churches. Um, I love creativity and expressing myself through music and through dance. Um, and I also express my creativity through short-form video on TikTok. There we go. Very nice. I, I will add on, on their behalf that um, the, the, the short-form video on, on TikTok 
has has gone massive over the last last year or so. Um, Anna turned up on my for you page, um, and and I was like, this this is weird. This this woman talking about money looks a lot like Anna Braden, but but that's not where I know Anna from. So it cut, but it was it was, and very good at it too. So um, okay. Um, is there someone, um, Mia, <laughs> who might be able to run around with a mic? <laughs> Downsized. We have just had a mad rush on um, popcorn. Um, so after this seminar, if you'd like to buy some popcorn, please do. But, but let, them, let them breathe first. Um, okay, does anyone want to kick us off with our first question for the panel? Just to let you know, I will repeat all the questions you ask for the tape. Um, that's, not, that's not any comment on your question-asking ability when I do that. Um, hi, my name's Alva. I'm in a worship team at my church. And I was just wondering, how do you, like, like, how did you, like, what was your journey to get to this point to, like, obviously, you know, worship on a New Day stage and, like, be able to get to that level? Because, like, in my mind, I have, like, no clue how that could have, like, happened like, from my church to, like, this amazing place yeah so um someone who works works someone who leads worship in their local church setting and um what was um i guess for simon and anna what was your journey to leading in large settings like like this from that um and and yeah if you answer first and then i think phil you've probably got some interesting stuff on thank you where you're at I started leading worship in my youth group um, and just being faithful and doing that with our team week after week. We had quite a big youth group. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say there are probably upwards of hundred, hundreds of worship leaders right now at New Day on a site that lead worship regularly in their local church. And that is where all the promises lie. That is what Jesus said he's going to build. He didn't say I'm going to build my New Day or build my big stage, it is in the local church. There are some unique, like, scale gatherings um, that I, God has given me a grace gift to lead large numbers of people, but that's literally all it is, it's just a gift. Um, so it's not like a strategic, like, route to, like, some success. Like, this is literally just, well, that was one night of my life last night. That'll be it for the year. I'll go back to my small church of, like, 100 people. Um, so really, I think it is just learning to be faithful and serve what God puts in your hands. If you've got a bigger calling in your heart, which he might have spoken to you, or there might be other things he's got for you, not even necessarily bigger, be faithful with what's in your hands, and he will give you what's in your heart. Um, so yeah, that was, that's probably just my roots to it. I never chose it, never set out to be a worship leader. Even two new days in, people were like, are you going to be a worship leader now? I was like, what I really want to do is teach maths. I'm doing a maths degree, and I really love explaining complicated things to people in a simple way. Um, so, yeah, there we go. I, um, I when I was younger, um, did feel like I was called to, to do big things like that. And I am now in a church of about 15 people, and I am doing music, and actually wouldn't change it for the world. Like, God, I, so I just also add, like, when you do feel those promises, hold them, hold them lightly because sometimes actually what God has in store for us doesn't look like what we think it looks like. Um, I wanted to ask Phil, because you're, 
you lead worship and lead a worship team in the local church, um, a much smaller setting. Do you ever look at events like this and feel like, oh, I wish that was me? Or like, how, how do you deal with that if you do? Or I would say my answer to that has changed as the years have gone on. So when I was probably in my late teens, early 20s, yes, I would have gone, oh, the ultimate worship leader goal is to be on the big stage at back then, Spring Harvest, or um, uh, New Day, Soul Survivor, any of those. Um, And as I've grown up in God, grown up in what I believe he's called me, and to be honest, everyone who he's called to worship leading to, um, I really totally agree with what Simon said. It's about your local church. It's about seeing the people you see every week, the people you walk alongside, the people you do life with grow in their intimacy with Jesus as they enter into worship. I think it is a really tricky thing, worship, because it's a really servant-hearted role, but you're sticking people on a massive stage. And to be honest, you stick anyone on a stage, you're saying, oh, basically almost we worship you. You go to any kind of gig. I mean, look at Taylor Swift's tour. It's crazy. And people are going because they love her. So when our stage is Look similar to that in Christian settings. It can be really confusing as you're growing up. But actually, I think when, as, as you've said already, someone, I think when you grasp that it is all about Jesus, it's all about your worshipping heart, worshipping him and helping others and sweeping others up in that, your perspective on do I want to be on that stage changes. Yeah. Um, that would be my story. Yeah, really good. Who's next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did a great job. So uh, um, I became a Christian about five months ago. Um, and um, yeah, I love music. I love worship. I love singing. Um, so I thought the next step, logically, would be become, try and become a worship leader. Um, but then I started to question like, the reasons behind wanting to lead worship. And I was like, in terms of, do I, am I wanting to just be on the stage so everyone can look at me and be like, wow, he's a great singer? Or, yeah, so I guess I kind of want to know, like, how do you make it less about you and more about God? Yeah, so new Christian, um, really uh, a musician and and into music already, um, sees the the natural place for that as being within worship, but, but how do you make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and you keep that focus on there? Um, Ed? You you lead worship. I do. And you go out and do do gigs I do. And, and do both sides of it. Yes. Um, I imagine you've got an interesting perspective on how how you you balance making sure you're doing things for for the right reasons. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I have this this phrase that I use, and I haven't used it very until very recently, but I like it. And it's this little, like, two-sentence prayer. And it's, thank you, God, that I have small hands, because it means I have to give stuff to you. And, and the, we've got this thing called Christianese, which you might have come across, where we as believers use certain phrases that make sense to us, but don't make sense to people that, that may not believe. And, and when I say giving things to God, it, it's very much <clears throat> when it comes to worship it's got nothing to do with me like I, I you know there's been Holy Spirit turns up when I'm on the team when I'm not on the team it's got nothing to do with the team it's got to do with God 
in, in a worship setting, it's going, oh, I just, I want to see you. And if that means I've got to, to kind of really put down all the things that I really love, put, like, check myself, check me if I'm going off topic on this question, because I feel like I'm going to go on a, <laughs> a, a curveball. Um, ha, repeat it for me again, so I, I was going somewhere, but I don't want to lose it. What was the question again? Peter. How to um, how to stay focused mm. on on God and make sure you're doing worship for the right reasons. Great, there we go. Thank you. So two things. There's practical things. Get people around you. Um, have friends. Have I, I'm really fortunate. I've got a really good friendship with our worship pastor back home, and and he's so good at checking me on things and calling me out on things because there's things that I don't see about myself that other people see. And I need their perspective to be able to grow as an individual and be able to build my relationship with Jesus. In, in a personal sense, as you were saying, I gig and I do worship. Actually, I, I try and see gigs as an opportunity to worship. Worship is, is um, an expression of adoration and, and, and like affection towards something. So when we were talking about this earlier this week, weren't we? There's this scale... I can't remember the name of the scale, but it's basically like minus four, no one's ever heard Jesus before. Plus 10, they're like an absolutely committed believer. And everyone's somewhere on the scale. My gigs, often I I go into spaces where actually people really don't know Jesus or may not want to know Jesus. But I get an opportunity to bring Jesus in that. And, And the whole point of me bringing Jesus in that is not going, look at me, in my gigs, I'm trying to, weirdly, as you said, like with worship stages, you're looking at the artist and bigging the artist up. Actually, I'd really love in a gig if, if people aren't looking at me. If, like, I think I've had some really special moments where like, Holy Spirit's just turned up in some of the songs and people are going, I don't know why, but like, just, like, I've got to share the Holy Spirit with people. So I, the, the weebly-warbly answer to that is just really humbling yourself the whole time my voice is going, so it's like this. No. <clears throat> um, having people around you and just really being aware, checking in on yourself every once in a while and, and honestly, deeply being like, God, I love you and I want to give you everything and I want to pursue you with everything. Even if that means that's got to be some like, really big sacrifices or put-downs from me. I don't know if I really answer that really well. I want on some sort of spiel, but... That's my two pennies. Yeah, I think there's a massive difference between what we're actually doing in a worship time to it at a gig. And so if you can understand the difference, it really helps because in a gig, it's a show. You're there to entertain. You're using your gifts to give someone a really great time and a great experience, and that's brilliant. Nothing wrong with that. It's God's gift to you. Happy days. Everyone has a good time. Lovely. In a worship setting... What I see it as is you're facilitating an opportunity for us to express our worship to God. So you're a facilitator for someone who can't play an instrument or wouldn't have the confidence to necessarily lead into a song or think of a song in the moment. You're the person who's just nudging so that they can jump in and join in. So it's a we experience rather than a you are putting it on for someone else. So if you think of worship as we, it's us. It's the, it's the body of Christ expressing our love for him together. Um, and you're kind of facilitating making that happen. It really puts you in a different spot. It puts you in a place of just nudging things along rather than I have to put on a show for you. And that really helps me. 
I'd also just say, if you're only five months in and you're already asking that question of um, how can I keep it about Jesus, not about me, basically, how is it not about me? I would say that's amazing and keep asking that question. Just literally keep asking it of yourself. And if you're good at music and you love music, there is every chance worship is something God's going to call you to, but just never stop asking that question. I will let the mic go to you, where the mic goes. <laughs> um, do you know if Through the Fire is going to be played at New Day t- tonight? Do you know? We have absolutely no idea because none of us are leading know. worship tonight. So. I didn't even know what our songs were going to be last yeah. night until <laughs> half an hour have, beforehand. I have like an add-on question to that. How do you know like what songs... To, like, do you have to fit the songs to fit like the preach or like the meeting yeah how do you how do you choose songs when you're leading worship (laughs) um so in our church at the minute worship is kind of split into two sections so we have a bit of a praisey section at the front where all the kids are in and then we have a more responsive section at the end so I do quite often ask the preacher if there's a really specific point they want us to sort of think about for the second set um they pretty often just very helpfully say Jesus thanks I can probably do that um yeah okay um but no I tend to go with I start thinking about my set like a week in advance if not more and I just live with it throughout the week so what is God saying to our church at that time um have we got a season of something specific going on in which case are there songs that speak into that um what's the preaching series we're on so if we're doing like a whole chunk of stuff on the Holy Spirit you want some Holy Spirit songs songs that kind of give space and chance for the Holy Spirit to really fall um But generally, I go with a chunk of songs, some that are fairly current, but not current to the exclusion of really good quality worship songs. Um, And just sort of look at a bit of a flow as I go through what's talking about Jesus. I I always make sure there is a massive chunk of Jesus in there. So if you've sung the first three songs of our worship set and you still don't know who we're singing about, we've not done our job properly. So it's got to be fundamentally about Jesus. Really good. Um, over here. <laughs> Hi, um, I do just have a question. I'm a worship leader with our Christian union, and we put on events like cookies and carols for non-Christians. How do you go about creating an environment where you're facilitating worship for Christians that are there, but also creating an opportunity for people who aren't Christian to meet with God? So worship leader um, at Christian Union, and how do, you, how do you facilitate worship when there is a mixed group of believers and non-believers, and you want to engage believers, but not, not off, but... Yeah. It's actually a shame that Simon's gone, because he, he's done this year after year. He's put on a carol service concert for like lots of people in our city to come to, and he's done it really well. And I think, firstly, like something like carols is an absolute winner, because everyone loves carols, yeah. except me. <gasps> I don't like them. I just like a bop. Do you know what I mean? I Carols like are just not a bop. Apart from joy to the world. What about a bop carol? Bop carol, carol bop. yeah. 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 Um, I think it's um, just a couple of pointers. One would be just try and um, just explain what you're doing in a really low-key way. Like, just be really, like, open in your explanations during this time. So it's not like, like you were saying about Christianese, like language that they wouldn't understand. You can just say things like... Oh, we're Christians here. We actually believe in Jesus, and we're going to sing some songs now. And you might not know them, but if you don't know them, don't feel you have to join in. But if you'd like to, we'd love for you to join in. And you just say it in a really normal way, and then it just helps people to feel at home because you want to feel like 
you know, it's your lounge. You're inviting them into your lounge. And if someone came around your house, how would you host them well? I think that. And then also just, um, I think that's pretty much it. It's just the intensity. And obviously, and, but don't be afraid to be passionate as well because people yeah. love it. Like, they love seeing Christians. People who don't know Jesus, there's something about Christians passionately worshipping. They love it. Yeah. It just, it just, it's yeah. like... Oh, go on. Even if they don't believe it, they're just like, yeah, good for you. So don't, you don't need to feel like, afraid of that. But I think just as long as you're creating a space, they understand what's going on, they feel welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I used to head up worship at RCU once upon a time. I know, I know. Um, an increasing number of moons ago. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I'll put my hand up and go, I'm a really visual person, so I, I kind of really do like to try and do pictures and stuff. And the way I ended up kind of working it out is leading worship is a bit of a sat-nav, right? The goal is to lead people to the feet of Jesus. However, we're often leading people that may have done this commute every day of their life, and there may be people that have never done this journey before. This is the first time we're doing the journey. So there's this beautiful tension in working out how many directions or how do I direct two very different people to the same place without either getting the people that have never done it before getting lost or the people that have done it every day for a week just getting bored and going like, I don't need you. Like, I mean, it's awesome. Like the goal of leading worship is not to have a job because people just walk in a room and go, oh, the Holy Spirit. Um, That's a win. But anyway, that's what I would say. My advice is just really consider what guidance you're giving in that room. Like, again, there may be people that have never met Jesus. How can you start them in the journey how can you slowly guide them to meet jesus um and there's and then people that want to go deeper or really know him how can i again guide them to a fresh revelation of who he is also don't don't start halfway on the journey because you don't want to be like what i'm going to london from bath oh start on the m4 we're like half an hour from the m4 like start at the beginning and just go there that's my advice and just a general sort of thing i've noticed in from a wider musical perspective, is I think um, people are far more willing to engage in with us and Christian music than we think they are. Um, people will go to... Um, I'm in Bath. We've got an abbey. People will go to Bath Abbey yeah. on holiday to see the choir sing mass. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are... There are lots of places where people will, will engage just because... It's, it's nice to be in that environment. The music's really good. Like, they're there to enjoy it. And, and yeah, there's... Sometimes I think we can think it's a real battle to get people in, but actually we just need to sort of turn up and say, we're here and they'll, yeah. they'll come along for it. Okay, next question. What would you say to people that like aren't always if they sometimes feel like they're not like the worship's not speaking to them and they get like scared that if they're not joining in with the worship or they're not like responding to that if they feel guilty about that what would you like say to people that feel that way if that makes sense it does, yeah. Yeah. what would you say to people who are um, struggling to connect with worship um, and feel guilty about about that can I can I yeah go for yeah. it so the first thing I'd say is, is guilt isn't Jesus. Guilt isn't kingdom. 
Um, and I know that might be a really difficult thing to go, but like, there's just, we have authority to be like, no, that's, that's not for me. You know, like God, God died for me, not so I could be shamed or guilty, but so I could be free. So that, that there is authority to stand there and be like, no, go away to that. The challenge as well, I, I think I might offer a, I don't know, controversial, but I'm going to offer a different perspective. <laughs> David's nervous laugh. <laughs> worship is, is about us offering something to Jesus. So congregational worship is us coming together as a family. And I'm going to say family because like, that's what church should be. And going, this is who we believe God is. And we're offering this sacrifice up to God. So there's... It's beautiful when we get something from worship and go, oh, I really, I really felt Jesus. Um, but I wouldn't say, I don't think be discouraged if, if you go, like, I'm not getting anything out of this. Because I'd say, I'd say worship is an outpouring. We can get stuff. Holy Spirit often, like so many times, comes and gives and imparts when we worship. But I'd say it's, it's an outpouring um, of, of our love and, and desire to know Jesus more. Um, does, that, does that answer at all? Does that help? Yeah? Do either of you... If you want to chat further at the end, like, yeah. come find me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I, I, uh, there's another question over there, and whilst the mic's getting there, I'll just add that one of the things that I found really impact my my faith journey was realizing that um, that how faith and how worship looks for one person isn't how it looks for everyone. Oh, yeah. and, and you don't have to stand in a certain way. You don't have to have a certain physical response. You don't have to feel a certain way for it to be, it to be real and it to be God. And that's, that's okay. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Like the Carol's example... I go to a carol concert, and I'm milking this example now, but, like, everyone around me just thinks it's fantastic. They're like, joy to the world. And I'm going, this is awful. And, like, people, like, they like, they don't get why I don't get it, but I just, it doesn't resonate with me. Mm. But I'm, you know, if I'm in an environment where there's, like, you know, it's, it's slightly different, different type of music, different style of worship, I connect with that. But my, one of my most powerful times of encountering God was swimming in the sea in Spain. Literally, like out in the sea in Spain, I just felt him and I was like, you're here. And it was like, it wasn't in a church. It wasn't with people. He was just with me there. And I think we just need to be so broad about how we experience God. It's not, we keep it quite narrow at church and we, we, there's so many ways to experience him. I think also, as Ed said, worship is a sacrifice of praise and to bring something sacrificial does cost us. So I'll say, and it's nothing on the worship, the worship's been amazing this week, but there's been a few points this week where I've just been, oh, I am exhausted or I don't really know this song or oh, I really don't like this song. Most of it's been fantastic for me. But there have been moments like that where I've just gone, I could quite easily sit down right now and that's what I want to do. Um, but because I'm supposed to be setting an example to my youth group, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm going to actually enter in. So I've physically put my hands up or held them out or sung the words when I haven't really wanted to and what I found is that Jesus is so incredibly kind that when you step out and go all right God I'll give you the rubbish dregs I have he rushes in and suddenly I found myself just like overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit because he just came in and went I love that you're trying Um, and I think Jesus is so kind that any little bit you choose to give to him even when it really costs you and really hurts he will rush in with his kindness and just wrap you up because that's who he is. 
Yeah. Let's start next question. Yeah. Um, so I worship lead at my church, um, but obviously as a worship leader, you're you're also worshiping God. But I was just wondering if you have any tips uh, to kind of separate your own worship to guiding the congregation, because I find it quite difficult, and I don't want to come across as intimidating to the congregation when I'm personally worshiping. Yeah. So um, a worship leader and talking about. Um, how you differentiate your own personal worship from leading other people in worship. Who would like to jump on this one? Uh, yeah, the age-old getting lost in wonder, love and oblivion while you're on the stage. Um, I think there's an element of you need to be entering into your own worship because I think there's no point standing up there looking like a wonderful worship leader if you're not actually worshipping yourself. So when you go to places, people come with you. Obviously, you've got to wrap that up in. If you're just totally lost singing the same chorus around 8,000 times and your congregation's all sat down, but you don't know because your eyes are closed, um, you're probably not doing your whole job there. Um, So I think it is a real mix. For me, I kind of... I check in with the congregation, so I I do keep my eyes closed a bit, but then kind of open them a little bit to keep an eye just where people are at. I also have someone in my band, because I more more than often don't lead, um, sorry, more often than not, don't lead from an instrument, um, if I can help it. So I have a strong musical um, lead in my band, and they will keep the music kind of going, and I will just speak to them. And if you can develop a relationship with them that works really strongly, they get to kind of know what you mean when you're singing another chorus, or if you're lost for a minute, but then you bring it back and they keep the music going. Equally, if you're playing, um, that would be your role. But I think there's lots, it is a tricky balance, but I don't think you exclude either. So you, you lead your team, you lead your people, but you don't take your own worship completely out of it. I'm not sure if that was helpful. <laughs> Yeah. Are there any others? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Making you work for it. We get our steps in here and you don't. Hi, so um, my church are trying to get a youth worship band together. So how would you like recommend encouraging them to um, come and join if they're a bit like nervous or like how to approach it like is there a different way to approach the youth than you would like compare to like a band of adults yeah so setting up a youth worship band and are there different ways you'd approach it particularly if they're nervous and and unconfident and unsure I mean so this is this is what I do at church so I I head up youth worship at our church um, and and for like I just learned by making all the mistakes, which I think is just, yep, it's normal. It's what I do. Um, what I found with young people is, is, yeah, it's a confidence thing. So a lot of the, like, stepping up on a stage and leading people, that might be a step, that might be like two rungs of a ladder. Actually, sometimes we've got to go step down. So we've started doing um, bi-weekly, that we do an evening. Let's just come play music. Like, come hang, we get some, like, donuts or cookies or whatever, and it's like, just come play. Like, it doesn't have to be a worship song, it could be whatever, but just let's have fun with music, with some worship songs. Let's build your confidence in what you're doing, because then suddenly you go, like, I would really love you to come on Friday and play with me, or even when I'm not on the band, do you want to come do it on Friday? They're like, oh, yeah, no, okay, I can do that. So it's always like, start there. I would also say, and I learned this, 
it's not a mate, it's not it's not a team of adults, it's a team of young people. So like we used to do rotors, we often with our main worship team we do rotors and stuff. I don't do rotors anymore. It's just I drop a text on a Monday going, Hey, do you wanna you wanna play on Friday? Let me know by Wednesday. Um like there It's wonderful how messy it is. Never look for tidy. Never look for tidy. I, I, like, I would, like, there was this really beautiful moment with the young people, and I, I, I was at the back crying when they did this. They, they stepped out very slightly. They did a proper Peter. Is it Peter that steps out of the water? Is it? Yeah, yeah it is Peter. I always get Peter and Paul the wrong way around. Um, it's just peas. <laughs> Ooh. Um, but there was this moment where they stepped out in worship and to go where the spirit was going. They panicked two steps later and, and they, they sunk and, and like we had to catch them. But I was crying because, yeah, it was a mess and we had to catch them and, and support them. But they stepped out. And like that's, that's all I can ask for our young people is, is that, that in worship they feel confident enough and safe enough that if they feel like the spirit's saying, I want you to go over there, they'll go there. Like that, that's the win. Not that it looks like flawless and sounds perfect, but they're so in tune with what the Holy Spirit's saying that they'll go there even if it looks messy or even if it means they have to look a bit silly on stage. Um, Yeah, low expectation. Create a safe space and just like absolutely encourage them. Like at every point, just affirm them, love them, and cheer them on. Like, that's my, my thing. Is like, I just want to be the youth worship team's cheerleader. Like, not, not, not the worship coordinator, not the one that's like, look at me. I want to be the one behind them going like, go, bring what you're bringing, do what you're doing. Because, like, the world needs everything that every single person is made to do. God's made you all unique for a reason. We all need what God has given you to bring. And that if all we can do in a youth worship perspective is encourage them to bring that, then, like, I'd say that's a job well done. Anna, um, Emmanuel has a really good track record of um, developing and, and building up new people in, in the worship team. Um, do you have any advice within this of, like, how to, how to bring new people into your team and encourage and develop them and build them up? Um, we've also made lots of mistakes and learned by getting it really wrong. Um, Yes, I think uh, relationship. You need to be friends, not friends, because you don't have to be like BFFs with everyone in your church, but you need to know each other and you need to, it needs to come from relationship rather than like, oh, you play bass, jump on the stage. Like it's, it just, it just makes it much more difficult because it's really vulnerable, like being involved in worship and you can really put yourself out there and then go for something and then, like, if no one sort of watches your back afterwards, you can be feeling left a bit like, oh, that wasn't very nice. So as much as you can, I think it's all about really building relationships. Yeah. And, and if that's working well, often the team goes well. And if it's not, it can be very hard. Yeah. So I think that's it. Really good. We actually don't do a youth band in our church. We bring the youth in from year 10 into our main worship team. So we're, we've not got a massive worship team at the minute. It's only about four, 16 of us. But... Um, 
we do that. So we've got a few guys we look out for and we notice something in them. Then we speak to their worship, to, sorry, to their youth leader and then say, do they want to come along? And then we give them someone within the team who um, kind of looks out for them. So we've got um, a girl who's in year 11 at the minute. She joined a year ago. She came on as a singer. Um, and it's so terrifying as a 15-year-old to stand on a stage and sing. Um, but she's got the most beautiful heart for God. And we've also got another singer in our worship team who's also got a beautiful heart for God who we've given to this girl as kind of her worship mentor. So she looks after her. She makes sure technically she knows what she's doing. She checks she's all right. She just, just stands next to her on the stage, makes sure they're rotated on together, things like that. And they just look after each other. So it's, that works really well. It's the whole kind of church as a family, mums and dads leading as mums and dads and just wrapping everyone up in that. Really nice. Are there any other? Yes, down here. Um, just to follow on from that, when you are managing a team as a worship leader, sometimes I do find it quite difficult if um, you're, we were worshiping or something and someone has decided to veer forth, so they, like, we, you need to give a bit of guidance or a bit of, not, not discipline at all, but just a bit more direction. I quite struggle with that, especially with stronger personalities, being a strong personality myself. So how do you manage that and manage to foster those relationships with conflicting personalities in a worship team? So how do you develop relationships so that you can help um, guide and direct the team you're leading without causing unnecessary confrontation or things like that? <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll start on this by coming from a, a really different angle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so unlike so me. Um, a lot of my music now is is very much relationship based um, so i'm i 'm looking at various different ways to build relationship within music as part of what I do and I think what has what has struck me most so far is um, the importance of just spending time with people um, and I think how this works depends. In, in place to place. In, in some churches I've been at, that is the worship team as a whole um, gather regularly, spend time together, they practice together. Um, in other churches, they have a more band set up. So in that case, there's about five people who you're spending a, a lot of time with closely. Um, and I think that, like eating together, playing together... Um, having fun together that isn't necessarily just musical, like yeah. talking about the Barbie movie and all that sort of stuff yeah. is, is just as, as much a part of that process as leading worship on a Sunday is. Um, within that, there's always going to be difficulty with like, um, oh, something's happened and, and we need to deal with this. Um, having good community around you is great so you don't have to do that all on yourself yeah. by yourself you've got you've got a church around you that can help help support you in that can help do that you've got safe people you can you can talk to pastors that can help like mediate if it yeah. if it's really difficult like yeah. I, I think it's important to remember you're not on your own yeah. Mm. Um, yeah did anyone want to add anything to that Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, 
I, I learned um, a lot of conflict can come from bad communication. And yeah, basically, it, it's, it's most conflict turns up because of bad communication. And, and the, the lesson that I've learned is not... Oh, sorry. Oh, musicians. Simon's back, guys. Simon's back. Beautiful. No, um, oh, it's fine. <laughs> I throw myself off. Um, yeah, bad communication. Maybe I think a lot of the times it's going, if, if I'm the one in a position of leadership, I need to learn how my team communicates and maybe change how I communicate so that there is a way that they receive it best. Like there's, I, did a, I ended up doing this whole course on, on languages and stuff, not, not different language, but like communication styles. And one of the big ones was this whole thing of people speak different ways and they have different kind of filters. And if I'm initiating a conversation, maybe I need to shift how I communicate something so that they hear it. It may be a bit uncomfortable for me. It might require a bit more effort. But if I'm trying to lead someone, I need to, I need to talk with them in a way that they hear. Um, that would be my like, practical yeah. thing on that. Pretty good. I think we've got time for one or two more questions, if they're out there. Yeah. What are the biggest changes in your attitudes and heart towards worship in your journey as worship leaders? So is that, um, what are the biggest changes in your attitude and heart, challenges in your attitude and heart towards worship? Changes. So how has your attitude and your heart towards worship changed over the years? Coming in with a strong question at the end. Um, I'll start by saying, um, like I said at the beginning, like... When I, was, when I was a teenager, I was like, it's going to be me one day up there. <laughs> um, and and God, God has really brought me to a place of actually being, being far, more, far more concerned with, with real relationship with people and, see, and seeing within worship and within everything I do, real, really see that, that intimacy between people. Um, which is is totally different with what I would have been looking for, sort of, however many years ago. Yeah, I think I'd agree. I think, as with kind of anything, as you grow up, you just get a bit less selfish as you get older. And I think worship, when you're younger, can be a bit more, what what am I getting out of this? a little bit more about yourself, I think. But actually, as you get older, it's more about, right, are my church really engaging? Am I helping people? Am, um, am I actually giving glory to God? Or, like I said, I really don't like this style of music, but actually my congregation loves it, and our church needs this song right now, so I'm going to sing it. I think it's that, basically. I'm not saying I'm totally selfless now. <laughs> Ask my husband over there. Um, but a lot, a lot more selfless when it comes to looking at worship as a whole, because it's more about Jesus being glorified and my church being facilitated in entering into his presence. Yeah. I didn't get to answer your question earlier, mate. I, I had to run. Sorry, everybody. That was, um, I could only make the first half an hour, but I'm actually back 10 minutes early, and I thought. You talked about you've been saved for six months. You're a musician. Five months. You're a musician. How do you become a worship leader? 
And I think in many ways, it's a very natural question. It's like something I really love with my life, music. Oh, and now I can do it for God. Like, these two things coming together, that'd be amazing. I think it is. It is really special to do something musical that's always been part of your life. And the only output for it is usually self. To then turn it for something else is really special. Um, I would encourage you and anyone in the room to grow in worship as well as aiming to be a worship leader, which is what you said. Um, how, do you, how do you get to be a worship leader? Like it's a thing that you are. I would say be a worshipper, and I'm sure you are, and that's what God puts in our hearts. But grow, grow as a worshipper. Grow in learning to love God through music. Grow in learning to, just to draw near to him in, in prayer. Grow in seeing things in the Bible that make you want to worship, that light you up on the inside about God. And that won't just be rules or something else someone tells you. You just read a book. Read books that make you want to worship. And you'll find this desire like pop up within you. But I've got to come and show people what I've seen. Um, and then you start to hit some of the heart of what being a worship leader is. It's actually showing people God. And I think when you're in the music world, it's come and see me and let me give you an emotional experience through my art, which is important. But in the sort of worship setting, is that let me show you something of God through music I'm playing that gives you an experience of him. But it's got to start kind of internally in your own just heart and journey and pursuit of him. So, um, yeah, and I'll just say it's a track that you go on. You don't, it's not like three months of study, then this and that. <laughs> Don't be hard on yourself. Um, I would say this. I know people who God has um, not allowed, through whatever circumstance, to get on a stage. Even though they're ridiculously talented. And they just realise, no, I've, got a, I've just got a pride issue. I know the second I get up on that stage, really, my heart is it's all about me. And the way God's so gracious, just learning to serve others and just lowering your sense of self. And often just being faithful in that place, like, ah, oh, you're beginning to get it now. Leading as a serving thing. So anyway, that's a bit of a catch-all answer, to, but I did want to answer it earlier. Um, yeah, in terms of just, like, what, how my attitude has changed towards worship, I think the longer you get to know a person, the more you see of them, the more you fall in love. So I know a richer Anna Braiding 14 years into marriage than I do a one year into marriage. And I think that's the same for all of us. So I probably, um, I probably lead worship slightly more maturely now, not just because I've grown up a bit, but I've actually just seen more of God's character. So there are certain aspects of him that I've fallen in love with in more recent years and have you know, proven in my life that I just want to show more people too. And I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think you, <laughs> when you're younger, it is like, give me my shot. I want to be on a stage. And I think you, you get on a stage and quite quickly the glam of that goes it is hard work leading worship week after week. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's a bit of maturity in that as well. Anyway, long answers. Hope that's okay. No, good answers, G. Um, we've got time for one last question, if there is anyone. If there is oh. not, I will ask the last question. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Please. Oh, oh was, Can that, I? was that a hand? Yeah. yeah. He's waving. That, um, from the back. Last minute. From the back? Oh, oh. Oh, one minute, I think we've got one at the back, and... Oh, squeeze squeeze to it. Hello. Um, when you were younger, did you ever, like, do any performing or anything? 
or like when you're worshipping, or what like sort of got you up there to have the courage to sort of do the stuff that you do? Yeah, what was your, what were your um, early starts into music and worship and things like that? Um, I'll just go quick. I, by nature as a kid, was an absolute exhibitionist. <laughs> if there was an opportunity to perform, I was that kid. So I think in my yearbook, I was the biggest sort of show-off in year 11 out of my whole year. So just being honest, I enjoyed a crowd. My daughter's here, like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just loved making people happy and like, ta-da. I learned magic, I learned how to juggle, I learned how to do tricks. Like, I, I just, yeah, I learned instruments, I just was doing shows and stuff. So God had to help work on my heart to realise, uh, yeah, mate, it's not about you. My glory I will not share with another, Isaiah. Um, that's what God says. And he humbled me lots of ways. But I realised he had given me gifts that enabled me to connect with an audience. And that's not wrong. That's a gift in itself. Right, I've actually got to actually go. It's four. I'm really sorry. But I mean, if, if you don't, um, yeah, please carry on. I've really enjoyed. Thanks for letting me jump up and down. Sorry, it's been a bit up and down. Thank you. Up and down, up and down. What were... So my, my first... Um, experiences of performing and getting into music were I also did um, when I was a little kid I did magic shows for my family um, I had a great one where you'd put a carrot in a handkerchief and you stick pins into it and it would look like it was your thumb um, you just told us what you just told us the trick now we know how you did it and then you'd, and then you'd pull it off and there'd be no carrot um, <laughs> how is it done no the uh, um, and Ruined. I I had, <laughs> I had a very good youth leader who encouraged me in, in leading worship and very good, good music teachers as well that really just developed me into that. But I've, I've always just loved music, so I've always tried to do stuff. Yeah, one last okay, one last question. It's you. No, it is you. It is you. <laughs> yeah, you. What, me? Uh, you talked very briefly about songwriting. Um, some yeah. of you have done that kind of thing. What is your approach? How do you start writing a song? I write songs, but I write in, obviously, my, well, have a way works for my brain. So I guess for each of you, where do you kind of start as an encouragement for the younger guys who might be interested in that thing? Where do you begin? Where do you begin when you're writing songs? Can I be a real pain? Go for it. Depends on the song. <laughs> um, no, it, it's... I, um, I would advise people not to bottleneck their creativity and go, this is how I create something. Like, some of my songs start with uh, the lyrics or refrains, some start with chords, some start with a melody. Like, some might start from what someone said and I might go, oh, that's really cool. I might read something, I might see something, I might experience something or process something. Creating is, and I, I love this, I love doing like, definitions of things. It's really good fun. Creation is bringing something into existence. Uh, like, I, I, the whole thing of like this is my process is awesome. But I would just be just be really open to to doing stuff, to trying things. Like, I used to be like, no, the chords come first and the lyrics come afterwards. It's like the amount of songs that like I've missed or like just disregarded because it's not my process is like, oh, dude, what? Like, if I could go back in time and just shake the younger end and be like, what were you doing? Um, be really open-minded. There is no right or wrong way, I'd say, massively in creating 
everyone is unique, everyone has a, a perspective, everyone has a way of perceiving things. Just be really open-minded to what God might be saying, what you're experiencing or feeling, and, and just chuck stuff in a notepad. The amount of things on my phone that is like me just going, bah, 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 or like a sentence or some chords, and they make no sense, but I've got them because I'm trying to make the effort of recording or capturing that thing. So I might come and refine it. Um, yeah. Um, I'm normally off or on when it comes to songwriting. So if I'm a season of on, yeah. I will become a collector. Mm -hmm. So I will get little bits from everywhere and I'll have my notes, you know, your voice notes, at the ready any moment. And usually I will start by walking down the street and a melody will come to mind. And as I'm walking down the street, I'll be like, and then I'll come back to it later on if I think it's legit. So I'll, I'll, one of the best songwriters of all time, I forget which one it is. It's the guy, I think it's one that wrote Angels. Um, no, he's um, Guy Chain. No, it wasn't. It was another one. Like, you know him. He said that it takes a hundred songs to write a hit. That's the industry average. It's like you have to write a hundred songs if you want to write a hit. So you just need to be ready that you're going to write a hundred bad songs before you write a really good one. And I found that really helpful because I'm like, well, that takes the bar down really low. That means part of it is just a numbers game. Like the more I do it, the more I do it, the more at some point I'm going to write a really good song. It just might not be this one. So I try and collect, 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 and then I'll review them all and I'll go, actually, that's worth working on. The rest of them are pants. Yeah. That one's just something to it. show it to a few people. Do you think that's a good one? Yeah, okay, cool. So that's one way. And then the other way, Simon said at the start of this, is I process my emotions on a piano. And sometimes when I'm doing that, something just falls out. And I'm like, well, that, 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 I didn't mean that to happen. That feels like it could be a thing. And again, it's just collecting, 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 collecting. But I'm in a bit of an off season at the moment. So I only do it, so I've only written like, I wrote a little thing the other day just because I was feeling a bit low and I was like, I'll just go and sit on the piano. I don't think it's very good, but it was part of my life. That's part of me. So, yeah, so I'm not in an intentional season right now, but hopefully I will be again at some point. So, yeah. yeah. I, um, something I've loved seeing um, in uh, Jess Debenham's work, um, Google her, she's got stuff on Spotify. Find her on she's... Spotify, Jess Debenham. <laughs> um, uh, is the importance of community in the songwriting process. And watching her Instagram reels, her TikToks and stuff like that, there's, she's constantly writing with someone, talking her ideas through with people. Um, and that's such a good, a good way to, to create. Um, I would also say become aware of how it is God speaks to you and, how, um, and when you get inspired, when inspiration strikes. So quite often it'll end up being similar places. So like Anna was saying about walking down the street um, or for me, randomly, it's quite often in the shower. Is that weird? Um, but I keep my phone in my bedroom because quite often I'll be in the shower going, ah, oh, quick, melody's coming. And I'll sing it again and again and again until I get out and can record it because, yeah, I just don't remember things. Um, but look out for the places where you think actually inspiration has struck or God has spoken there more than once and then spend a bit more time there. So I'm really, really clean because I just spend a lot of time in the shower. Yeah, um, <laughs> no. yeah thanks. Yeah. Not, not this week, no. <laughs>
Yeah, but I would do that. And then also keeping things really practical to help you. So like keeping your phone near you so you can record it or keeping a notebook near you or whatever. I'm old school. I like pen and paper. So you can jot stuff down um, and just not getting caught short because those melodies that you wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh my gosh, this is literally from heaven itself. I will remember this in the morning. You won't. You'll wake up and forget it. So put practical things in place as well that help you record it. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, it has been a pleasure to have you on our stage and, and answering.